So I'll start with uh, Ms. Tamtasa. As a Zimbabwe Congress of Trade Unions, when we look at the situation in Zimbabwe, despite the COVID-19 pandemic, which has presented its own challenges due to the lockdown, businesses are not functional at the moment. And like I said in the beginning, Zimbabwe is currently in a hyperinflation period and the local currency has been seeing a lot of depreciation on the market. The way you see it, uh, when you look at the unstable local currency, what is the best way of addressing the issues to do with salaries? How do we determine the right level of salaries? Uh, it's my pleasure to be on this uh, panel and thank you for inviting us. I think uh, the best way to look at this issue is not simply to focus on the labor market, but to look at the uh, macroeconomic policy that the government has taken. And the best way to do so is to look at three questions. The first one is, uh, was or is de-dollarization possible in Zimbabwe? The second one is, uh, is Zimbabwe re-dollarized is, is re as we speak now? And mm. finally, what has been the cost of an ill-advised de-dollarization experience? This is critical because if we answer, if an answer to these questions indicates whether we have a choice or not in terms of uh, paying salaries in uh, US dollar. So if you look at- In your at opinion, the... where are we right now? Are we dollarizing? Are we de-dollarizing with the introduction of uh, allowing people to use their free funds? Where are we right now in your opinion? So we have attempted an illogical and uh, ill-informed de-dollarization project, which has dismally failed. If you look at the level of inflation over 1,000%, if uh, you look at the devaluation of the local currency and the lots of market imperfections around issues of pricing, around issues of salaries. So we attempted that, but it failed dismally because uh, currency is not forced on the people. People should voluntarily choose the currency to transact and to use. So people have rejected, economic agents have rejected that currency that mm -hmm. the government was posting mm -hmm. through stationary instruments. So we are now re-dollarized. And the only unfortunate thing is that everything else is now indexed on the US dollar or on foreign currency, except the salaries. That is a huge injustice, a huge unfairness. Uh, that we are now facing. And this is the reason why the Zimbabwe Congress of Trade Unions and all unions have been calling and demanding for salaries to be pegged to be in US dollars or South African rand or to be indexed okay. to the exchange. All right, so I'll, I'll engage Mr. Murefu here in this context. Mr. Mtasa says that we have re-dollarized as an economy. What's your take on that before we get into the salaries issue? Like he said, that's the base of, of, of agreeing or determining how much salaries should be by the employees. Uh, thank you, Mona Lisa. Um, officially, um, we are de-dollarizing as an economy. At least these are the pronouncements that are coming from the authorities, including the monetary authorities. But when you look at what is happening on the ground, I think we have re-dollarized, including the actual use of the US dollar and also indexing our prices, whether they are in Zim dollars or not, but indexing them to the US dollar. I think that tells you that um, we are in a 
dollarized mode or the economy has, has dollarized. Then coming to the issue of um, salaries. Um, salaries are paid in the currency in which um, the business is, is generating uh, uh, its, uh, its income or its revenue. If a business is generating its revenue in Zimbabwe dollars, uh, it is very difficult for that business to pay in US dollars because they have to find the US dollars from somewhere. And um, there is no market where you can go and buy US dollars other than the parallel market. And I think businesses would not be expected to go and buy that currency from the parallel market and then pay salaries because it is illegal. So I think if you are generating your income in US dollars, let's say you are an exporting company and you are earning US dollars, there is no harm in paying your salaries in US dollars because that is the income in which you are predominantly, um, you are, that, that, is the in, that is the currency in which you are predominantly earning your income. So you can use the currency which, because we are, we are in, a, in, a, in a situation where you can use either US dollars or Zimbabwean dollars, use the currency that you are earning to pay your wages. The issue of whether or not the wage is adequate, I think is what we can discuss later. If I'm getting you correctly, you are saying that how a company is going to pay their employees is determined by the type of business they are in and it is determined by the currency that they are transacting in. Yes. So, and you gave an example of exporters. So are you saying that local businesses right now in Zimbabwe, in the context that you said that the market is re-dollarizing, are you saying that as business, you are not making any transactions in US dollars? It's solely in local currency. Also, given the basis of what you just said, that if you go to the market, despite what the government has pronounced, the market seems to be re-dollarizing. Yes, Um the, we have transactions in U.S. dollars that uh, businesses are generating, and we also have transactions in Zimbabwean dollars. So you do have transactions in U.S. dollars? Yes. Um, I can't say that that is not happening because the authorities have allowed that you can, you, you, you can use either currency. You can use the Zim dollar or you can use the U.S. dollar. But the price um, has to, the, the Zimbabwean dollar price has to be at the official uh, um, market rate in terms of the exchange rate that you are going to use. So what I'm saying is that when you, when you have generated your income, you also have got certain obligations that you must pay. There are certain obligations which are of a foreign nature. Let's say you have got IT systems that you need to pay for. You have to pay in foreign currency. It's either you go and apply at the RBZ auction for the currency, if you don't have it, or you use what you have generated to pay. Um, you also have other, um, for, if you are importing, for example, you have to pay for those imports in foreign currency. So it right. depends on whether you are generating enough foreign currency to sustain your imports and your foreign obligations. And then do you have enough left to then settle local obligations in US dollars? You may find that you may not have enough then settle your local obligations in US dollars. Because if you have got foreign obligations, obviously those are the ones that you give priority because your supplier may not be able to supply you 
if you are not paying in foreign currency. All right, I'll get back to you, uh, Mr. Mnef. I'll engage Mr. Lever here from the World Bank, who's just joined us. Uh, I agree that uh, if uh, uh, firms uh, are to uh, pay salaries or uh, link salaries to dollars, uh, they need to earn dollars. And uh, our uh, recent enterprise survey, which was done in uh, June, July, uh, shows that only uh, 3.7% of firms uh, are direct exporters. Uh, And only 1.2% of the sales of firms uh, are coming from exports. Uh, And these are mostly large firms and foreign-owned firms. So maybe these firms could afford to to pay dollar wages, but uh, uh, for the others would be very difficult to afford. Uh, Also, uh, the budget, the government accounts, fiscal accounts, uh, are quite strained uh, uh, right now, and there is no fiscal space to to increase uh, salaries, the needs are uh, tremendous. Uh, We have uh, COVID uh, uh, needs for um, uh, these PPEs, medicines, for ventilators. Uh, There are huge social protection needs. Uh, We estimate that the number of extreme poor or food poor this year could go up to 8 million uh, from 6.6 million last year. In education, uh, 80% of the kids uh, do not have access to distance learning. So these are huge needs, Uh, plus salary adjustments. The government already adjusted the the salaries uh, there are more health workers, uh, the risk allowances, cost of living allowances. Are you saying that you, you speak about needs, rightfully so, you speak about education, you speak about alleviating poverty in the country, and you do say that the fiscal budget is strained, rightfully so. So salaries are not a priority? No, no, I'm not saying salaries are not priority. I'm saying that uh, if salaries are increased, uh, there will be uh, less uh, financing for critical uh, intermediate inputs, for medicines, for uh, textbooks, for uh, ventilators. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Let me hold you there for a second. Let me engage. Yes, sure. uh, Mr. Mtasa, Zimbabwe Trade Congress of Unions, you're hearing what Ms. Oliver here is saying, that she's essentially saying that the US dollar allowances that the government has introduced are not sustainable and the fiscal is strained. How do you respond to that as ZCTU? Thank you. We are surprised because everyone, uh, both uh, World Bank and government and business, to some extent, they, they pretend as if workers are demanding a salary increase. Workers are not even demanding a salary increase. What Our are salaries demanding? Are, we are demanding a stable wage, a, a wage in a stable currency. Our salaries in real terms are actually going down. If uh, you look at what we were earning in 2018, let's look at the education sector or the civic public sector. The average was earning around 500 or 400 US dollars. If you compare to now where they're earning less than 40 US dollars, 
it means that in real terms, our salaries have gone down. You also cannot just look at the percentage of uh, companies that are exporting and companies that are in mining. You also need to look at what is happening on the ground. What is happening currently is that Zim dollar has been rejected by businesses. And you cannot go and get medical care using Zim dollar. So the market itself, the businesses themselves have already rejected Zim, you, you, and the Zim dollar in preference of foreign currency. So, so you are saying we want, a, we want salaries in the currency that's accepted in the market? That is stable. We are not even demanding a salary increase. What, what, what government and uh, their advisors are doing is continuously digging. We are already in a big hole, in a deep hole. They are continuously digging. We cannot sustain a Zim dollar because of inflation. We cannot sustain Zim dollar because of the uh, erosion, the devaluation. We cannot sustain it because it, it is getting us into a vicious cycle where we have low incomes. Currently, majority of workers, if you talk of domestic workers, they are earning eight US dollars. This is not even sufficient to buy them groceries. Go to agriculture, they are earning 1,200 Zim dollars. So it is not sustainable. Zimbabwe cannot continue on this pathetic. Do, do you think though, do you think that US dollars salaries are sustainable? simply because we have readopted the US dollar. It doesn't mean we are producing US dollars. So where is this money going to come from? If you look at our incomes in terms of foreign foreign currency receipts, we are getting almost 6 billion, which is much better than other countries around us. We can compare very, very well with uh, Zambia and maybe uh, Mozambique and other countries around us. So in terms of receipts, we are okay we can stabilize our economy. We are even much better than where we were in 2009. When we dollarized in 2009 and stabilized in terms of uh, currency devaluation, in terms of inflation, we were even getting much less than what we are getting now in terms of foreign currency reserve. It is about the stewardship. It's about our priorities. It is about where we are putting our resources. It's not right to simply say we should ignore the salary increase because right now as we speak, doctors are on 49th day of strike. Nurses are not in hospitals. So the cost, the cost is too much. We are incurring a heavy cost. If teachers, if schools were to open, teachers were not going to go to school. So we can't do business as usual. What we need is a stabilization phase in the short term. Let us dollarize. Dollarization ensures that there's no excessive money printing with our government. It ensures that we have no inflation, hyperinflation. It ensures that we have no devaluation and we've got a stable market. So you are saying that if we are going to dollarize, if people are going to earn in US dollars, then it means that there has to be policies to accompany that. So if that does not happen, are you then acknowledging that paying salaries in US dollars in the long term is not sustainable? Paying salaries in whatever currency without do, having structural reforms, economic, political, and social reforms is not sustainable. Even currently, paying salaries in Zim dollars we are doing is not sustainable because doctors are not at work. Nurses are not at work. What is that sustainable measurement of sustainable uh, that does not take into account provision of public services? So we are saying all what we are doing currently is not sustainable, but we can have a pathway 
that ensures that we have stability, macroeconomic stability in the short run, and then we focus on dealing with the reforms that we need. We have a failed state. Our current position is a failed state. The government's policies are not legitimate. People are not accepting them. The government uh, is failing to provide uh, public services, and we cannot continue on that path. What we need is a trajectory, a new trajectory, but it should have short term. And the short term is a dollarization. We cannot allow business to get foreign currency and then prioritize all other costs and then leave uh, salaries to pay in Zim dollars. That is not on. We are not even, we are even asking business, if you have indexed all your services on, on the exchange rate, why can't you index the salaries on the same exchange rate? That's a question to Mr. Murev. I'll pose that question to Mr. Murev. I'm sure he can respond to it. I mean, he's representing business. So for why are you not indexing the salaries based on the US dollars? That's what Mr. Mtase is asking. Um, indexing salaries to US dollars is uh, something which an individual employer can make a decision on. It cannot be a collective decision of employers to say, we want to index salaries to US dollars. Let me explain um, the process of salary determination that uh, businesses or employers engage in. The first thing that you look at when you are determining a salary or a wage um, is the market rates. What is the market paying for a similar job elsewhere. In other words, you are comparing your salaries with what the market is paying elsewhere for similar jobs. Elsewhere as in in the region? Elsewhere no, you, yeah, you can use the region if you want, but for now we are talking about local. And then you, the second thing you look at is, uh, for example, inflation, the cost of living. What is um, the level of inflation prevailing? The, is this salary uh, able to sustain an employee given the inflationary environment. Or in other words, you are looking at the breadbasket or the PDL. You are looking at that. Uh, PDL is the poverty datum life. Then the last thing that you look at is ability to pay. You, you must have ability to pay. If, even if you realize that probably you are lagging behind the market, if you don't have ability to pay, you cannot pay a market salary. And even if, for example, you realize that inflation is over a thousand percent, if you are not generating enough to compensate for the erosion of purchasing power, which is taking place through inflation, you may not be able to match inflation. So the most important element is your ability to pay. Ability to pay is how much income are you generating? And then what is your what are your other expenses? You cannot do without paying your rent. You need to pay your electricity. You need to pay for your water. You need to pay for everything that you are consuming for, 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 for the consumables that you are using in your production processes. And then you also need to pay for labor. So you have to strike a balance and say, after I have paid for all the other obligations, how much do I have? How do you strike that balance? Because you, you initially talk about how there is need to index based on inflation. And it was Mr. Lieva earlier from the World Bank was talking about inflation being around 1000%, right? You speak about the poverty datum line, rightfully so. And right now it's estimated to be around 8000 family of five for them to get to get by so and then you go on to say that but then again we have rent that needs to be paid and all these other obligations that you spoke about earlier so 
how do you strike the balance because you raise a point and then you cancel it with another but at the end of the day there's an employee that needs to be paid yeah what i'm saying is you have to look at everything you have to to for example you cannot do without paying your rent otherwise you'll be you'll be uh, evicted from the premises that you are operating from and so you have nowhere to work you so can, how do example, you strike the balance how do you strike that balance when you have factored in everything else that we have spoken it, about it it means i have to I have to take into account uh, um, those obligations first. I have to pay my rent first. I have to pay my electricity first because I can't okay, operate without electricity. Gone. And then whatever is left, I then say, how much can can I put to salaries? And then I also need capital because I can't say everything that I have made in terms of income is, is consumed. So salaries are not a priority here. So I think you are not getting you are not getting me right. You're not getting me right. I'm saying... So you said after, you, Mr. Samudif, you said after yes. you've done all that, then you consider the salary. So they're yes, not yes. a priority. No, no, they are a priority, but you then pay within. That's why I said ability to pay is important. Whatever is left, if you are left with, uh, let's say you are left with uh, $100 and, you, and, and people are demanding $200, how do you pay the $200? So that's why I said ability to pay is important. If you are only left with $100, then you distribute the $100 amongst your employees. It may not be enough, but at least you are sustaining jobs. Otherwise, you would just say, okay, I'll pay you what you are demanding. But instead of me employing 100 people, I'm employing 20 people. Let's talk about the Tripartite Negotiation Forum, which has been in negotiations for, for a while since last year. And just recently, the Minister of Finance spoke about how negotiations are set to resume next month. Just based on your interactions right now with Mr. Murefu here from Enkos, I'm kind of having a sort of an idea of what the sticking point is, but maybe you can shed light on it. What has been the sticking points in the tripartite negotiations? And what is your, how do you foresee the upcoming negotiations to go? That's for you, Mr. Mtasa. So the first thing, uh, especially for workers, uh, I just want to be very clear Workers should not expect anything tangible from the tripartite negotiating forum. Social dialogue is about culture. Zimbabwean government is no culture of dialogue. It does not respect anyone else besides their idea. So we have been in this thing for almost two decades now. We've been fighting for social dialogue. We've been fighting for a real uh, tripartite negotiating dialogue. But we have come to a position as labor where we, we, we have said this does not work for Zimbabwe. For as long as we still have the current government, for as long as we still have the current culture within government, for as long as still we still have the current view of government towards our partners, I am currently not able to move freely because they regard me and they regard our organization as terrorists. So where uh, social partners are regarded as terrorists, how can you then sit down and dialogue? We have tried everything possible to make sure that we have a, 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 an agreed position uh, as a country in terms of the labor market policies. But so enlighten time... us, tell us, and give us information on what the sticking points have been in your conversations. We can't even reduce it to specific issues. It's about the culture. Government does not believe in dialogue. 
it de- it believes is in 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 coercion. They're calling for that dialogue. Mm-hmm. It was a Mr. Finance who called for dialogue. He says, "Come back to negotiating table next month." We we, we they've not they, they they've not even spoken to us. It doesn't even uh, needs a, a minister to go on on the podium. The 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 act the TNF act has got processes. It, it, it has got uh, processes of calling for meetings. We can specific, we can confidently tell you that we have not been engaged. Mm-hmm. So they are just playing politics. Government does not believe in dialogue. It believes in statutory instruments. This is why on everything they issue statutory instrument. But government has failed, and this is one thing that we need to emphasize. We don't even need to look at what individual companies are doing. That is not going to resolve the crisis in this country. We need to have a clear national way forward. And that national way forward should start with uh, uh, agreeing that the de-dollarization project has failed dismal. And it has brought in consequences, huge costs. As we speak, businesses may enjoy that they are, they are putting salaries last on their pecking order of priorities. But they should know that low incomes that we are, we are getting is also destroying their own government, their own businesses. We are in a vicious cycle where low incomes are leading to low aggregate demands, low savings okay. and low investment and low production itself. So we are destroying the little, com- the little companies we have left. Like in 2009, where capacity utilization had gone beyond 10, uh, 10%, we are getting to that level until we address this issue uh, holistically, looking at the politics, looking at the economics, looking at the social issues, we are not going to address the challenge that we have. So forget about TNF, the government of the day does not want dialogue. It depends on using the military, using the police, losing statutory instruments. And so we have you come will to- not be... You will not be participating in the in the negotiating forum. Is terrorist? How how do you sit down as a terrorist and negotiate with the government? Unless so you government will not be participating. It's not possible. We want dialogue, but it's not possible. I. It's not even safe to visit a government office at the moment. Uh, our our leaders, our secretary general, our activists cannot visit the government office at the moment. How can I visit the government office okay. when I am wanted by the military, when I'm wanted by the police? So it's not possible to dialogue at the moment. So you will not be going. You will not be going to the TNF that the minister has called for next month. Unless the government de- declassifies, uh, declassified us. If we are no longer terrorists, then we can negotiate. If we are terrorists, so, we'll be running around. We'll not be able to go for a TNF meeting. So, no, I take it. I see Mr. Hawkins has joined uh, the conversations. Thank you, Mr. Hawkins, for joining us. So, I, I don't know if you want to pick up the conversation from where Mr. Mtasa left off, or I was going to ask you if you think that the... Um, Minister of Finance has adequately addressed the issues to do with the salaries, because obviously when we having conversations on regulations, on policies that the government has put in place, we need to look at, at that. And the most recent one is the midterm fiscal policy. In your opinion, do you think that the Minister of Finance has adequately addressed the issues to do with salaries in his recent midterm fiscal policy? No, I don't at all. Um, uh, the midterm policy is 
notable for its lack of information, or, or if you prefer it, disinformation. Um, there was no mention at all of the huge increase in public service salaries in the second half of 2020. If you work it out, if you take the the $75 uh, per employee and $30 per pensioner um, US, and you work that out at the current rate of 80, you're talking about, and the 50% increase that was announced, you're talking about something like a 20 billion increase in the salary bill, which is more than double the one that was in the budget. Um, so um, there was a, a complete failure to even mention that um, and what its impact on the budget would be. Uh, and now we have a minister in the last two or three days saying that there will be a further agreement for the public service in the next two months. And we've also had other increases for health workers and so on, which haven't been included. So the budget is, is an, a, a vast understatement of what government will be spending on salaries this year. I'll engage uh, Ms. Alieva here from uh, the World Bank. When you look at the policies that government has put in place, and for example, when you look at the domestic nostra, which has been created for the civil servants by the government, which cannot be withdrawn, which, which is called the USD domestic nostra, whatever that means, do you think that that's adding another currency to the already multi-currency basket? How do you see that playing out in terms of the Zimbabwean economics? Sorry, is that for me to answer? Well, you could answer it. Uh, uh, it's between I you thought you were asking the, the World Bank. Is, is the World Bank uh, struck dumb or they're not there? You can go ahead what? and answer, Mr. Hawkins, uh, while we wait okay, for Mr. Right. Well, my answer to that would be um, that the... The domestic nostra is is just a way of uh, it's really a repeat of, of of the bond note situation. Remember, in 2016, when we produced bond notes, we, because you can't print US dollars, you you printed bond notes. Now, because you can't print um, US dollars to go into a nostra, you create a domestic nostra into which you pay um, a notional amount of US dollars. Um, which is, uh, in fact, in, in the form of ZWL. That's the way it will show on the bank, on the reserve bank, uh, uh, treasury accounts. So you are just creating, as, to, as you said a second ago, you're just creating another another currency. And, and like the bond note, it will eventually... MCOs as business, with the government having taken the stride to cushion the civil service from the inflation, the hyperinflation rather, and also the COVID-19 pandemic that has also put business to a halt. Are you under pressure as a business sector, as a private sector, to also uh, cushion uh, your employees with some US dollar allowance as well? Yes, Are you going the, to go that route? To the extent that uh, there have been demands um, from both public sector unions and private sector trade unions. Yes, you could say employers are under pressure, but um, I think like um, um, what the World Bank representative has said, the amount of income that is being generated in Forex by businesses is so little that it cannot sustain a full wage bill for any 
organization, unless you are an exporting company and you are generating almost all your income. But what I'm saying is that businesses, even from local sales, because the generality of the population is earning a zim dollars. So the sales that uh, businesses make, the majority of the sales are in zim dollars. And, and they, they, how do you respond? How do you respond to what Mr. Multasa said about how business, which is you, are refusing the local currency on the market, and now they're saying they're putting pressure to earn in U.S. dollars because it is the business that is refusing the local currency. It is not entirely correct that uh, the businesses are refusing um, local currency. Um, I've been to a number of um, uh, businesses. Um, I've done some transactions with some businesses. What they do is they have got pricing in both currencies. They have a US dollar price and a Zim dollar price. So you pay in the price that you are comfortable with. Although I know that some businesses may be charging a, at an exchange rate, which is higher than the official rate, which is illegal. And I think businesses that are doing that should desist from doing that because businesses, the of the businesses, businesses that have got good corporate governance structures must stick to the law. And so what we are aware of is that pricing is this dual pricing. A person then pays in the currents that they are comfortable with. Would you consider a part payment in US dollars? You spoke about how it's not, it's not sustainable to put the whole wage bill in US dollars. And you did acknowledge that you are earning some money in US dollars. Would you consider a part payment in US dollars for your employees? If it is sustainable, I would. But uh, if it is not sustainable, I would not begin to do it because it can be... But how be, can you it, measure it, if it's sustainable or not? When, in when other you, words, are you, in the... you have to be generating enough to keep on doing it. That's what we mean by sustainability. You have to be generating enough. Okay. If, you, if you generate US dollars this month and you pay, let's say, 5% of your wages in US dollars, next month you generate zero US dollars. You can't pay it. So you create serious industrial relations problems because your employees are now expecting to be paid in that currency. So you have to do something. That's, that's why we're talking of sustainability. That's why we're talking of sustainability. But how do you determine that, Mr. Mtasa? How, Mr. Murev, rather, how do you determine that? Because, like I was saying to Mr. Mtasa earlier, the minister has said that the Tribatad negotiation forum, the negotiations, they are starting next month. So, and there has been a lot of sticking points, and you're talking about sustainability, rightfully so. But how do you determine the sustainability when you are then making these presentations in the negotiations? What are you proposing then to say, okay, this company is sustainable, this is viable, this is not? How do you determine that? Because I understand that at some point you might need to come up with a minimum wage. So how is that determined? Sustainability is not determined at tripartite negotiating forum level. Sustainability has to be determined at business, at individual business level. This is why I said businesses that are generating enough foreign currency to pay their wages in foreign currency could do so because it's, it's legal to do that. The tripartite negotiating forum is a, a broad negotiating platform. It's supposed to be a policy So what platform. are you going to propose in that platform is my question. What are you going there with to re, propose? With res, we've, already, we've already stated our position regarding minimum wages to say that they must be determined at industry level or at sector level. The banking industry must determine its own minimum wage. The um, engineering industry must determine its own minimum wage because at tripartite negotiating table, 
you cannot determine a minimum wage because sectors are different. And uh, the Tripartite Negotiating Forum does not have information about what is happening in all sectors. So only an employment council for a particular who is, sector. Who is supposed to provide that information? It's the industry. That sector must provide information to its own employment council. You know, we have got individual employment councils for each sector. For example, the printing industry would have its own employment council, the banking industry its own employment council, the cement industry its own employment council. So those are the people that know the circumstances of their sector better. And therefore, they can negotiate what is sustainable within that sector, taking into account the, the position of all the companies in that sector. You cannot determine a minimum. If you do that, you can determine a minimum wage which other sectors may not be able to carry or sustain. And therefore, some of them might actually shut, they might close, they might actually close business because they are not able to sustain a minimum wage. Uh, Professor Hawkins, what is your take on the issue of the Tripartite Negotiation Forum and the issues to do with the minimum wage? And uh, like what Ms. Amtasa said earlier, they have been negotiating for the longest time, but they can't seem to find a solution. Well, I'm reluctant to say much about the, the TNF because I, I, I know relatively little about it. All I would say is that, um, uh, let's face it, we have a situation where at the last count, and I haven't seen a figure for a few weeks, uh, the the poverty line for a family of five was about 9,000 uh, Zimbabwe bondies or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and the minimum wage, national minimum wage, the last time I heard it was 2,500. Now, I don't know how employers can exist with that for very long. A lot of the discussion that I'd, I'm, I'm sorry I came in late, but a lot of the discussion I've been hearing seems to me to ignore two fundamental facts. The first fact is what is the alternative to dollarization? Would somebody please explain how you're going to halt inflation unless you use, uh, <coughs> give me an exchange rate stabilization strategy as happened in 2009? And the second point is, in 2008, 2009, those of us who were around at the time remember very well what happened. Everyone told us, no, there won't be enough dollars, government won't be able to operate, etc., etc. But that wasn't what happened. And in fact, we got a, a period of, of, of sustained price stability, of rapid economic growth, and partly that had to do with dollarization, partly it had to do we got rid of Zona PF for a few for a few years. Unfortunately, not long enough. So let's talk about the issue here to do with wages. And I'm going to go to Mr. Mutasa. As ZTU, what are you proposing? What are you calling for as employees? What minimum wage do you want? Do you want a part payment in US dollars? Do you want in local currency? Because business is saying it's not sustainable. What do you want? So as ZCTU, we want re-dollarization, official re-dollarization, and we agree on what should be the minimum wage for in, in, in dollars. We cannot accept what are you proposing? where each sector, each sector determine what a minimum wage is. We need a national minimum wage to, to deal with our vulnerabilities that we currently have. What are you proposing, Ms. Tamtasa? What would you propose to be the minimum wage? I think the starting point is what we had already uh, almost attained at the TNF uh, before it was destroyed. We had agreed with government 
that we look at the 2018 uh, PDL figure, we cannot uh, sustain that. We go for 50% of it and then take 75% or 50%, which was amounting to around 200 US dollars. Uh, we were still negotiating, we're still discussing. Business was not comfortable with that. But if we re-dollarize and then discuss, start the discussions, I think we can come to a position which is amicable and which is sustainable for all of us. Yeah, but that, that is clearly long term. So in the short term, what you want is 200 US dollars. That's what you're calling for as a labor. Do you want it 200 US dollars? Do you want it at in cash as US dollars or you'd want it at rated at interbank rate perhaps? That $200? We can't sustain de-dollarization. You cannot deal with inflation. But that's in the long term. Mr. Mtasa, my point is that's in the long term. And in my opinion, these are issues that may be outside of what you can do or what you can bargain for, right? So all I want to understand from you is within the short space of time that we have, if you are going to negotiate for something which you say this is what we want, you want 200 US dollars as labor. Yes, but we can't be stupid and negotiate for Zim dollars because the moment we finish negotiating, by the time we earn it in Zim dollars, inflation will be much higher than that. Mr. Murefu, 200 US dollars, is that sustainable for business? Uh, it's not sustainable. Like I said, um, wages must be determined at industry level. Industries are different, and therefore you cannot use a one-size-fits-all approach to determining minimum wages. Do you have a figure that you might say this is a reasonable figure for an employee? I don't have a figure, but that's why I said you can look at factors that affect, uh, you know, incomes at what other yes, industries are paying. There's that. a comparison. We've been through that, but I'm saying as business, what would you say is a reasonable salary for someone to get through all that? It's one thing to say what is a reasonable salary and one thing to say what is a salary that can be sustained. It's a reasonable salary would be a PDL based. In other words, you are looking at the poverty datum line. That is reasonable. So we're looking but at can, but can, we're looking but at the nine thousand that Professor Hawkins was talking about. The poverty it's, it's, datum line. It's, it's nine thousand dollars. Yes, it's reasonable, but it cannot be sustained by many many industries. Professor Hawkins, your recommendations moving forward. You can understand that that a labor and and employees will have employers. Sorry, will have different approaches. What I'm uh, intrigued about, I suppose, is the suggestion by the uh, employers that that uh, even if, uh, because an industry cannot sustain a sustainable wage um, for, for someone to live on, um, the workers should be paid something they can't live on. I don't understand how that works. The onus is on the industry and on the employer to do something about about making uh, their businesses viable in terms of what is a reasonable living wage. I'm not going to get involved in what that argument is. But on the more general point, I think, uh, you know, I'll just stress two issues. One is we're, we're three quarters of the way to, to dollarization, re-dollarization. Even the governor, who's not given to, to getting things right very often, even he admitted the other day that something like 70% of the money supply is held in US dollars. That's how far we've gone. We're 70% of the way there already. So, <laughs> and turning that back 
this isn't going to happen. doesn't matter what, what the Monetary Policy Committee says or the Ministry of Finance says, it ain't going to happen. Just take that as read. You can be sure of that. And the second point is that the, the whole issue, and this is where I agree with Mr. Mutasa, the whole issue is far broader than just wages and salaries and inflation and the exchange rate. To listen to this government talk, you would have thought everything is solved by having an auction. Well, that is nonsense. Um, it is a, a whole holistic issue, as he mentioned, with social, political, economic issues that have to be tackled. What is the way forward? What would you recommend to be the way, the way forward? Well, the way forward seems to me, uh, undoubtedly, one is we accept that redollarization is going to happen and, and try and make it work, as we did last time. We've done it before. And the second thing, I think, is to accept that there has to be some kind of social political accommodation that leads to the international bailout, that needs to re-engagement and so on. To think that we're talking, as a gov the government is talking, about paying farmers three and a half billion dollars when they can't raise anything themselves to, to repay two billion, two and a half billion in arrears, just goes to show that the issue is very, very difficult, very broad, and has to be, as Mr. Matasa said, holistically tackled. That I think that just wraps up this uh, webinar on the salaries dialogue. As you've heard from what the panelists have said, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on the way forward, uh, though there is an agreement that there needs to be a wage that actually allows an employee to survive, and that has to be below the at least poverty datum line. And according to Zim stats, that's about 8,500 for a family basket of five. And uh, the business is saying we cannot sustain that. But at the end of the day, the employee needs to get by, right? Thank you so much to my panelists. I was joined by uh, Professor Tony, Ho Tony Hawkins, who is an economist, as well as Stella Dieva, who is a senior economics with the World Bank, and Mr. Mutasa, the president of the Zimbabwe Congress of Trade Unions, and uh, Israel Murefu, Employers Confederation of Zimbabwe President. Thank you so much for making time to be part of the Salaries Dialogue. And I wish you all the best in the upcoming TNF. I hope you come up with a consensus. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps up this Salaries Dialogue. I am Annelise Dube. Keep it ZFM Stereo.